Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the MedBullet Step 1 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of Francisella tularensis, found under the microbiology section at medbullets.com. Let's begin with a clinical snapshot. A 34-year-old man presents to the emergency room for acute onset fever, pain in the eyes, and an ulcer. He has not been to the physician in years, so his past medical history is unknown. He currently works at an Angora rabbit farm and interacts with the animals daily. He reports being bitten recently on his forearm, where there is now a new lesion. On physical exam, he is febrile. He has severe conjunctival injection bilaterally and has multiple 1-2 cm tender cervical lymph nodes. On his left forearm, there is a 1 cm ulcer with elevated edges. Let's continue with an introduction to Francisella tularensis. As a reminder, Francisella tularensis is classified as an aerobic gram-negative coccobacillus. It is transmitted from hosts which include ticks, rabbits, and deer flies, and it is transmitted by bites from the exposed animals, and there may also be inhalation of the organism. In terms of the epidemiology, this is a rare disease. Demographically, it is seen in the south-central United States. Risk factors include exposure to small mammals, such as rabbits, voles, and muskrats. In terms of the pathogenesis, there is inoculation of the skin or mucous membranes, which leads to spread of the organism to the lymph nodes and other organs, and inhalation may result in pulmonary disease. Conditions that are associated include ulceroglandular tularemia, this is most common. There may also be typhoidal tularemia and pulmonary tularemia, which may accompany both ulceroglandular or typhoidal tularemia. In terms of the prognosis, symptoms arise acutely, typically less than one week after exposure. And remember that patients with pneumonia have the highest mortality. Moving on to the presentation, symptoms in the ulceroglandular tularemia may include headache, painful conjunctivitis, and pharyngitis. In typhoidal tularemia, there may be nausea and vomiting. On exam, one may note high fever, in ulceroglandular tularemia, there may be tender maculopapular rash initially, lesions may then ulcerate with the raised border, and there may be tender lymphadenopathy. In typhoidal tularemia, one may note hepatomegaly and splenomegaly. There may also be findings of pneumonia. In terms of further imaging, chest radiography is indicated if there is suspected pulmonary involvement. Findings include pulmonary infiltrates, hilar lymphadenopathy, and a pleural effusion. In terms of further studies, remember that culture is hazardous, so one should test for positive titers on serology, which is diagnostic. When making the diagnosis, this is based on clinical presentation, risk factors, and serology. In terms of the differential, make sure to think about cat scratch disease, with distinguishing factors being that this will present with lymphadenopathy with papular, pustular, or vesicular lesions without ulceration at the site of inoculation. Also consider brucellosis. This often presents with osteoarticular disease, such as osteomyelitis or arthritis. In terms of treatment, medical options include aminoglycosides. This is indicated as first-line treatment for all patients. Specific drugs include gentamicin and streptomycin. Another option is ciprofloxacin. This is indicated in patients who cannot tolerate aminoglycosides. And lastly, complications related to Francisella tularensis include renal failure, meningitis, and erythema nodosum. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to Francisella tularensis, let's walk through a question to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested.
For this question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 52-year-old man presents to an urgent care center in Missouri for evaluation of a lesion on his right hand, which initially appeared four days ago as a raised red bump. He denies trauma to the hand other than a tick bite that he noticed last week. He also reports three days of headache, fatigue, myalgias, and diaphoresis. He has no chronic medical conditions, takes no medications, lives alone, and has no pets. He works as a park ranger at a nearby state park and likes to hike and hunt in his spare time. He eats a balanced diet of fruits, vegetables, eggs, and wild game. Physical exam is notable for a moderately ill-appearing man with tender lymphadenopathy of the right axilla with overlying erythema. Temperature is 102 degrees Fahrenheit or 38.9 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 120 over 75. Pulse is 109 beats per minute and respirations are 21 breaths per minute. Physical exam of the patient's right hand demonstrates an ulcer with central necrosis. Which of the following is the most likely causative agent for this patient's illness? And the answer choices are Choice 1, Bacillus anthracis Choice 2, Bartonella hensley Choice 3, Borrelia burgdorferi Choice 4, Francisella tularensis Or Choice 5, Sporothrichschenki The best answer to this question is Choice 4, Francisella tularensis. This patient with an ulcerative lesion, local lymphadenopathy, fever, and nonspecific systemic symptoms after a tick bite most likely has tularemia caused by Francisella tularensis. Francisella tularensis is a zoonotic bacteria found primarily in the south central United States. It is spread by contact with small mammals or insect vectors. The acute illness that develops, called tularemia, can take different forms depending on the bacteria's portal of entry. Ulceroglandular and glandular tularemia are the most common. Both occur after skin inoculation via animal or insect bite. Uncommon forms include oculoglandular, pharyngeal, pneumonic, and typhoidal. Ulceroglandular tularemia, the form seen in this patient, presents with nonspecific systemic symptoms, fever, a characteristic skin lesion, with a pustule that ulcerates and may develop a central eschar and tender, erythematous regional lymphadenopathy. The diagnosis may be confirmed with serology, but treatment should be started empirically with an aminoglycoside, a fluoroquinolone, or a tetracycline. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Bacillus anthracis is a zoonotic bacteria that causes anthrax, whose cutaneous form closely mimics tularemia. It is transmitted by contact with animal hosts or soil, not by an insect vector. While a papular ulcerative lesion also develops with this disease, severe edema and erythema characteristically surround the ulcer, while tularemia lesions are surrounded by normal-appearing skin. Choice 2. Bartonella hensley is a zoonotic bacteria that causes cat scratch disease, which also involves a cutaneous lesion at the inoculation site and regional lymphadenopathy. However, the cutaneous lesion is papular or vesicular, and transmission occurs only from cats or fleas, not ticks. Choice 3. Borrelia burgdorferi, the bacterial agent of Lyme disease, is transmitted by tick bites and shares some nonspecific symptoms with tularemia. However, erythema migraines, rather than an ulcer, classically occurs at the site of the bite, and there is no lymphadenopathy. Choice 5. Sporothrichschenki is a fungus that is transmitted by plants and soil, causing sporotrichosis. Cutaneous sporotrichosis mimics tularemia, 
with a similar lesion and local lymphadenopathy, but is distinguished by nodular lymphangitis and the mode of exposure. Finally, a bullet summary. The most common form of tularemia, being ulceroglandular, presents with a papulo-ulcerative lesion with central necrosis, regional lymphadenopathy, fever, and flu-like symptoms following a tick bite or small mammal contact. That's all for this review about Francisella tularensis. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 1 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you considered leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullets Step 1 podcast.